Welcome to the K-12 Food Rescue Podcast. I'm John Williamson, the host of the podcast and founder of K-12 Food Rescue, a national organization founded in 2007 committed to empowering citizens to lead the food is not trash movement in their school districts. Today I'm joined by Jennifer Janice. She's the founder of K-12 Food Rescue of Connecticut in Wallingford, Connecticut. So Jennifer, welcome to the K-12 Food Rescue Podcast. Thank you for having me. So why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and how you became interested in this school food waste subject? Yeah, so um, I have always been interested in food in general. I went to school for um, nutrition and then became a stay-at-home mom for eight years. And then when it was time for me to go back to work, I started working as a lunch and recess aide at one of our elementary schools. And um, one of my coworkers noticed the tremendous food waste. And so we kind of paired up and she got us some time at one of our PTAC, like PTO, but for all the administrators. Um, Mm -hmm. And we took three days worth of waste. And I, I say that word lightly. Um, (laughs) It was all unopened food that was perfectly fine. um, But otherwise would have been thrown away. Uh, We took that to the PTAC meeting and it was just three days worth from one school. Um, and all the adults were shocked that it was that much food. So that's kind of where it started. Very cool. So I've got this email that uh, from September of 2017 from Tammy. Is it Rocchio? Uh, Rocchio, yeah. Rocchio, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, she she contacted us in, in uh, June of 2016, and we had a conference call. Um, and she was able to get a student leader involved in the, the was it Moran, the Moran um, Middle yes. School? Do you, yep. do you remember that whole connection and how that came about? Uh, we actually didn't know um, about that connection until later. Um, wow. But yes, we, we eventually did connect with Nick and his mom, Kelly, um, just because we were amazed that this young student in middle school um, saw the waste as a problem. Um, most kids don't even realize that kind of stuff. And so we did eventually connect with them. Yes. Very cool. So can you tell everybody kind of what you've been able to accomplish since that time um, when you started to work on this and kind of how much food's typically wasted each day from what you see and how many schools are involved, that kind of stuff? Yeah. So um, we currently have nine of the 12 schools here in town involved. Um, it's kind of hard to say what each school averages a day because we have s- schools set up on such a different schedule. Some schools are um, a daily pickup. So mm-hmm. we have um, that school in particular creates so much that we do have to pick up daily and they create about 30 pounds of waste a day. Um, so that's wow. amazing. Uh, we have, this is our third, this, this is our third year um, in the school mm-hmm. system doing this. Um, our first year, we started in February, so just a few months, and we did collected about 2,500 pounds um, in just those few months. And wow. our last year was our four, first full school year, and we did just under 12,000 pounds. Um, wow, that's yeah. just hard to get your mind around. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Um, yeah, and then this year, so far, we've done about 9,000 pounds. So what are your earliest memories that you have, you know, when you were trying to get this rolling, you know, kind of the hurdles to overcome or things that were easier or more difficult than you thought? Yeah. So um, when we first had this, like this crazy idea, um, the food service director at the time was very much so supportive of it. 
he gave us a cooler. He gave us all the guidelines, you know, basically the cold stuff had to be cold, um, kept cold. And so he was super supportive of it about a week into it. He, we had to stop because of red tape. Um, mm. so that's when Lisa got us into a PTAC meeting because, um, we were not taking no for an answer. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how that all happened. Um, since then it, it was kind of a trickle effect of the schools kind of coming on, um, cause being friends with other people in town who are also lunch recess aides, they kind of caught on to it and it was, a, it was kind of a slow trickle at first, but now we're into nine schools. So. So how much time do you think it took from the start? You said, gosh, I want to do this to the time it took to get things up and rolling where you actually were fully functioning at say, say a couple of schools anyway. Um, actually not that long at the time it felt long, but it was um, probably just about two or three weeks until that PTAC meeting was coming up. So um, at the school that we worked at, we had the kids save the food and um, the lunch lady let us save that food in her uh, in her refrigerator so that nothing got gross. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were able to save it in her fridge in a bin labeled. So it wasn't being used. Um, and once we got into the PTAC meeting, to be honest with you, it was, I thought the fight was going to last longer. Um, but it really just took that one meeting. We're fortunate for that. Um, John Frastinelli, who is, uh, he's part of the health department for the state of Connecticut. He has a big, long, fancy title, but basically he oversees the schools. Um, and he, after hearing our our plea and the plea of the uh, manager of our local food pantry, uh, he told us that we could do it as long as we kept the cold stuff cold. And we have trained every school that way. And every school has ice packs um, and insulated uh, reusable bags or um, even a cooler. So obviously you're a fantastic salesperson, Jennifer, <laughs> uh, but it was, but it had to be more than just your charming personality and sales ability. What did you, did you use some resources or anything that actually showed the legality and the, 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 the reasons why they didn't need to fear doing it? Cause there's so many fears, of course. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't say I, we didn't really didn't even know any of the legalities at that point. We hadn't even connected with you yet at that point. Um, mm. And I don't even think we knew about Nick's, uh, project at that point but what we what I did was um, I'm a numbers person so mm-hmm. when we were doing it in that week um, we were a share school so I had all, I went through all the kids during lunch waves and I asked everybody to raise their hand of the people who had taken from that pile um, mm, and I compiled that it was, yeah. it was seven, about 17% of the school was using that share table. And I think the number is probably bigger, um, because some kids shared separately to other lunch aides that they didn't raise their hands cause they were embarrassed or whatever, and that they actually did use the share table. So I think that number was probably closer to 25%. Um, so having, yeah, having those numbers, I knew that the PTAC people, all the administrators would um, respond better to hardcore facts. So I, I did go in with those numbers. So that was re- really helpful. Yeah, it can kind of knock people over when they see the actual over a year's worth of time, how yeah. what it would actually impact would be if they could just get started. Yeah, well, actually, our superintendent, after I talked about the numbers and stuff, um, he actually responded with he can't have hungry kids in his school he won't he just won't allow it 
And if mm, a child needs it. one more thing to feel full for lunch, then so be it. That's just terrific. So I think in 2018, you started using our K-12 Food Rescue Story Graphic Log Tool. How has the tool or the resources at foodrescue.net helped you kind of communicate the impact of rescuing this food in your area? Yeah, so um, that's been really useful because I can always, um, if people don't, people have a hard time wrapping their brains around how much food that actually is. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's, it's been easy for me to say, hey, go ahead and check it out. Um, and send them the website uh, address. They can go look at their particular school or they can look at the town as a whole. Um, I know one of the middle schools um, actually has it on their, like they have it, They have TVs throughout the school that play certain, you know, the upcoming events, upcoming sporting things, and those kinds of things for the kids to stay um, aware of what's going on in their school. And that's one of the things that they play. They they run through that. Oh, on awesome. there. Yeah. So if you're listening to the podcast, you can actually go to foodrescue.net and pull up our live impact dashboard. And you can actually see the totals from the Wallingford school district um, and all the different schools that are involved. So beyond Wallingford though, um, I know that you connected with Joanne Grabinski um, in Meriden school. Cause we have a presentation that uh, she made mm-hmm. there. I think on our website at that live impact dashboard um, that you all sent me, I'd love to hear about how you connected with Joanne and what, what proceeded from there in Meriden. Yeah. So um, Joanne and I are friends through our church and mm-hmm. uh, I, the summer before our first full school year, um, I was posting about it and I was kind of reaching out for some help with some things. And she came to me and said, I can help you make this way more official. And um mm. So we connected a couple times over the summer and she, she knew that I was trying to get into Meriden myself. And she said, Hey, I have some friends in the Meriden school system that are pretty high up. I can help you with that. So she did exactly that. Um, I was spinning my wheels and she was able to make it happen. So we got into some meetings. Um, They were very hesitant at first. It was just one more thing to put on their plate. Um, Mm -hmm. But after hearing what we were doing in Wallingford and how much food we were saving, um, basically the superintendent told the, the food service director that she had to do it, basically. Um, and, <laughs> we are doing this. Yeah, like this is something that we have to do. Um, it might have been partly to kind of put, like, prove, I think they were trying to prove me wrong and get me to shut up, to be honest with you. But um, the, <laughs> the opposite happened. They realized that they could save so much money because in Wallingford, the kids have to take everything that they're, they have to take everything. And if they don't, the mm. school doesn't get reimbursed. So if they don't take that milk, even though they know they're not going to drink it, the school will not get reimbursed if they don't take it. So the kids take the stuff because they have to, and then that's when they throw it away. Um, so in Meriden, it's different. They don't, I yeah, see. they don't have to take everything. If they know they don't like milk or they can't drink milk for whatever reason, they don't have to take one. So, so they're doing probably the offer versus yes. program for the national school lunch. Yes. Program. So um, what Meriden does um, is they do a nine week study uh, for lack of better words, where they, the first week, they do three weeks of milk, three weeks of fruit and three weeks of vegetable. 
And so the first week is just a baseline to see how much they're wasting. Then they do um, two weeks of trivia with the kids. They do, they post posters all over the school. They do trivia every morning with them. They make it really fun. Um, and then this, the third week is how things have changed. So they saved, I don't even remember the numbers now because it was last year, but they saved so much money on not having to order so many milks because the kids thought they had to take it and then they learned they didn't have to. So they wasted mm. so much less milk and they saved so much money because they weren't having to order it. And the same goes for fruits and vegetables. So, Well, that is just awesome. So, so those we've sent like startup kits and different swag to, to Wallingford as well as Meriden. Have you seen, because uh, you sent me pictures yeah. with the kids with that stuff. So does, have they enjoyed that stuff that they've received from? Uh, from yeah, I, I kind of gave it to the schools and um, each school has its own, like the school that I substitute a lot in, um, they have, they have um, like K-, K kids, like caring kids and these groups in each school that allows the kids to come together and talk about how they can improve the community and things they can do. Um, so I gave it to the principals and I said, you know, you can distribute these however you need to amongst those groups. Um, but I know for me, the school that I substitute a lot in, I have had meetings with those kids and they're very interested in it. They have tons of questions, um, and they definitely, um, enjoy putting the food up there that they know they're not going to eat. So. Well, the pictures that you sent are definitely inspiring to people um, when they go to our page. So I appreciate yeah. the, 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 you know, the the photographic evidence of what's going on, let alone just the numbers. Kids, people, when you can see somebody's face, you know, it's such a cool yeah, thing. Yeah, absolutely. So, 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 give me a feel for, and you may or may not know this, but uh, you know, so, so if you got Meriden, you got Wallingford, and because I've seen these stories that have been written um, in both both places, do you, hey, do you know if it's spread anywhere beyond just these two areas? Uh, aware of or yeah there's been there's been people that have reached out to me um and there's a town i think ansonia i could be wrong on that there is another town um yeah that sounds yeah it might be ansonia um i think they have a couple schools going right now so since we're hoping to obviously that people in Connecticut will will be listening to this uh, podcast we're going to stick it on the Connecticut portion of our map um, so what would you uh, what would you tell everyone that's just trying to get started um, for people that are interested in approaching their schools about doing a share table or, you know, donations after the table um, is finished? Um, my, the best advice I can give anybody trying to do this is to just collect the food because you cannot argue with the evidence when it's sitting on a table in front of you. Um, that's and right. that's I really think that that was. Uh, huge for us in getting getting the okay to do this because the, you you can't argue with a pile of food that's unopened and nope. totally fine. So that's my that's my best advice. Just um, get the okay from the the lunch lady, you know, the the lunch staff um, that they can house that bin for you for a few days, um, and then bring it to some kind of meeting where they'll see it. I totally agree. So I just want to say thank you for all you've done, for all the uh, the, the p- pictures that you've posted using the K-12 Food Rescue tracking tool, just the inspiration that you've been to others around the country. 
And I'm hoping that uh, if, if you'd be able to do this, would you be willing to give your contact information to people that are willing to start a K-12 food rescue program in Connecticut? Yeah, absolutely. They might be able to get some yeah, advice absolutely. from you? Yeah, they, absolutely. Um, anyone can email me. Um, that's totally fine. We also have a Facebook page called K through to Food Rescue of CT. And they can message me there awesome. as well. So can you give your email Oh, yes. Address? It's J Janus, J-A-N-U-S. 04 at gmail.com. Awesome. And if you want to reach out to Food Rescue, our website is foodrescue.net. And when you go there, we have a contact page and we'll send you some information as well. If you have any interest, we could connect you with Jennifer as well, if that's the way you want to contact her. So thanks for joining me on the podcast today, Jennifer. And thanks. For oh, all thank you, you so much. Yes. All right. All right bye.